Kelly throws the slide. Man's wide open. Time. Room. Bullseye. What is up, bros? Anybody care to lax? Welcome to episode 12 of the Crease Die, presented by Barstool Sports, your one-stop shop for that stick talk for lax rats by lax rats. I'm Jordy from Barstool, and with me, as always, we've got Robbio in the hizzy. Rob, how are we feeling this week, buddy? What is going on, Jordy? And what is going up, boys and girls? It is episode 12 of the Crease Dive. Dude, I feel like we're saying this every weekend. It is something wild happens. And obviously this one, we got, we're we going to have a new number one team. We do have a new number one team with UMBC upsetting Albany. And we're going to get to that in a second. But uh, I'm doing good, man. The weather's finally simmering down. It's a weekend close from Memorial Day weekend. So, uh, dude, college across is in full force. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely an absurd week of college across. Uh, and we've got a nice absurd episode coming up for everybody here. We're going to have uh, a little later on in the show bringing on the beast, Trevor Baptiste, on for a little interview. So you can catch that later. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned this before. Obviously, the biggest headline over over the past week in college across UMBC. This is a school full of assassins. We saw it in the March madness tournament, the first ever school to be a 16 seed to knock down a one in the first round of the tournament. They take down Virginian basketball last weekend in college across. They're going up against number one, Albany Robbie. you and I talked so much trash about how Albany is just going to run through the America East. I even said that if they were in the ACC, that they would go undefeated in conference play. Turns out UMBC, they must have put that one up on the bulletin board in their locker room. They go into Albany and they just thrash the great Danes. And I mean, the final score looks a lot closer than what it actually was. Albany was able to get a few goals late in that game, though, even when it was fully put away. But UMBC, the Retrievers, coming out on top in that dogfight against the Danes. Rabio, was there any ounce of you that saw anything like this coming? No, no. And uh, between you and I, I think I'm the most for the whole like any given Sunday mentality. But you and I were on the same wavelength and just said that Albany is just going to blow the doors off UMBC. We kept saying how, you know, obviously their strength of schedule still doesn't change. It's UMBC, but we're talking about we're having the argument of will they be undefeated in a top conference, strength of schedule and all that. But you know, they go into UMBC and yeah, they're battling injuries. You know, you got Fields out, you got their top midi, Justin Ray out. But I mean, UMBC, man, on the road. I mean, number one teams in the country hate this school. And I mean, we saw it during uh, when UMBC upset Virginia, the Cinderella story in the March Madness. But UMBC Athletics Twitter was absolutely going off on this game. Yeah, I mean, and, and you mentioned it, you know, like th- this is... Albany was battling injuries, um, you know, and and I guess that you can make some excuses here and there. I, I, listen, we're a no excuse podcast. You know, we put out our our top ten this week, and you know, we're pretty much the only publication that was actually pretty hard on Albany for this loss. Listen, I understand that you're down fields. I understand that you're down Ray, but you cannot lose to UMBC 
in the fashion that they still ended up losing and not get punished for it a little bit. I mean, if you lose to Maryland, you drop to number two. If you lose to Yale, you drop to number two. You lose to Duke or, you know, any team like that, you drop to number two. You lose to UMBC, you don't get to just drop one spot. Uh, I like, you know, I, I think it's just a minor setback for a major comeback, especially when they get fields back in the lineup, especially when they get healthy all over the field. Uh, but listen, man, UMBC, it's a school full of assassins. So, uh, you know, look, looking at their looking at their schedule right now, I don't think that they'll have any more number one teams up on their schedule. So that might be the uh, the biggest bite we see from the retrievers. But yeah, man, assassin university. And just real quick, going off of that, Jordy, I mean, this is a team now. They were number one in the country. They were steaming over teams. They weren't just beating teams. They were they were beating them by 10 to 12 and doing it in in great fashion. They were throwing behind-the-back bounce passes. They, they were they were lights out. You know, they're going to go into the dome. They smacked them. They were smacking everyone. But now, you know, I don't know if this is going to humble them um, after, but – you and I both played college across. You know what it's like to lose a game. Hey, for all I know, maybe you went undefeated your whole life and never lost a game. But you know what it's like to lose a game, then have a bye week. I want to know what that's like and how Coach Marr is going to get these players ready because, honestly, this is not a good sign. Uh, I feel like they should have been going undefeated uh, in the Yale. Yeah, well, I mean, first off, uh, I've lost plenty of games in, <laughs> in my uh, lacrosse career. Um but you know what? If if I'm being real here, I, I think that this was actually the best case scenario for Albany. Uh, you mentioned bef- before, they were steamrolling teams. I mean, they were making college across look like they were playing ab- against a bunch of JV <laughs> players out there. Um, you know, but when you lose to UMBC like that, now they get to head into this bye week and they get to hit that reset button. They get to kind of, first off, the bye week is huge for getting everybody healthy. Uh, but, you know, they're able to take a look in the mirror, say, like, listen, you know, we're, even though we're a very talented team, we're still not going to be able to just walk into any game and win on town alone. Like, we still have to work our asses off. Um, you know, and, and I think that losing a game to UMBC like this, while it hurts you a little bit more, I mean, it, it didn't actually in their rankings. They stayed, you know, number one or number two, depending on what polls you're looking at. Um, but even though it, it kind of hurts you in that way, I think that losing to UMBC is probably better than losing to a team like Yale because a team like Yale's a team that you're probably going to face or at least have the potential to face in the tournament uh, late, later on in May. And, you know, you don't want to go up against a team like Yale and have those, uh, you know, those doubts creeping up in the back of your head saying, oh, well, we lost these guys last time. So I think that they're going to be able to kind of hit that reset button. And, I mean, Binghamton's up next. They're fucked. Then you got Yale. <laughs> Yale Yale's going to be catching some shrapnel from this UMBC loss as well. And then they finish out the regular season with Hartford. So does it suck to drop that game to UMBC? Yes. But is there a ton of positives that can be taken out of it? Uh, I, I'd say yes as well. And you know, Yeah, but uh, you, you, you mean you did talk about how scary it is to play the same team twice in one season. Let's just hypothetically say that in the American East Conference Championship, Albany is playing UMBC. Yeah, I mean that. It, Are you scared? <laughs> uh, and no disrespect to the Catamounts, I, I love everything that they've been able to do this season. I mean, they're ten and one. Uh, you know, so they deserve plenty of credit. 
Uh, but I, I think, you know, maybe it could be closer than that. But if I'm Albany, I'm, I'm not that uh, afraid of that matchup in the America East Conference. Uh, but speaking of teams that face each other quite frequently in conference play, uh, listen, this is the first time in crease dive history. Uh, the first time in the history of if you were a child that was born any time after, uh, you know, if you were born in May 2014 or later, this is the first time in history that you are witnessing a Virginia lacrosse win in the ACC <laughs> as they take down North Carolina last week. Believe that score was 15 to 12 or something. Listen, guys, boys and girls at home, the last time that Virginia won an ACC lacrosse game. It was, I believe, April 26th, 2014. We're almost four goddamn calendar years removed from that game. And they finally get it done again against UNC. Um, listen, hey, I I, I just I, I'm I know that this is an audio podcast, but you know, if you can feel me standing up and applauding the Virginia Cavaliers for finally getting that gigantic monkey off their back, uh, hats off to them. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was some rumors spiraling that uh, Lil B possibly dropped a little bit of a curse to the Cavaliers. But I mean, just going 1,400 days without an ACC win 2014, is it didn't really make any sense to me. Uh, that, that just took way too long. But getting the monkey off their back is huge. Uh, shout out to the Cavaliers and Lars Tiffany. Uh, moving on to another ACC matchup. We got Duke versus Notre Dame. Duke holding Notre Dame to two goals. Jordy, what do you got on this game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's got to be something going on in South Bend right now. I mean, the fact that their offense gets held to two goals is – Unacceptable. I mean, li- listen. I I, I don't want to have to call the shots at Notre Dame. You know, I, I don't need to. You know, I don't want to be pulling any strings or anything. Uh, but you've got to get a guy like Kevin Corrigan the hell out of there because obviously, uh, you know, I, I think he is you know wearing out his welcome in South Bend. Um, you know, if you can't get your offense up to score in a in a conference matchup against a team like Duke. Uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. So, uh, you know, it, it sucks because, you know, obviously John Sexton recurring guest of the podcast, he's, he's our guy and, you know, we want to see him have great success, but when your offense just doesn't show up like that, you get 60 minutes of lacrosse and only two goals. Something's definitely fucky there. No, dude, two goals is absolutely abysmal. Um, I talk, I got two points this game and, uh, my man down of the week last week was the Midwest offenses. Uh, they are absolute trash. And Notre Dame was what I, what I harped on them. So it uh, kind of played into the fact that uh, that they had they walked away with two goals there. They play Marquette tomorrow night. That game could easily be zero zero at <laughs> halftime. Um, I mean, but but looking at the bright side of this game, look look Notre Dame. There's something going on, like you said in South Bend. I don't know. Like we saw it with Ryder Garnsey not not playing, not starting too much. He's clearly one of their 
if not their best offensive threat and weapon. Uh, he he's not playing too much, so I don't I don't know if that locker room's divided. Look, you and I aren't there every day at practice. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but something is not right. We'll leave it at that. But like I said, looking at the bright side, you know, Duke's proven that they are a solid team. You know, they started off number one in the nation. Um, they have a couple losses. But in my opinion, I strongly feel that they are the best team. Uh, they play consistent every single week uh, and on all cylinders of the team. You know, they, they have an incredible defense. And when they're clicking, they're clicking. Um, yeah, not, not only are they the best team, but they are certainly they certainly have the best coach for May as well. Um, yeah. So, so oh, yeah. when, when, when you've got Donowski calling the shots, uh, you know, coming late into the season here, I mean, this is this is pretty much that that perfect time for Duke lacrosse to just become absolute animals. Uh, You know, this is something that we saw 2013, 2014. Uh, This is where Duke really turns it up, Um, you know, and, and just going off of Notre Dame real quick and their abysmal offense. Let's talk about a team who, so Notre Dame puts up two goals last weekend. Let's talk about another team in the West who put up, 22 goals, and that is the Denver Pios coming here to my neck of the woods in the main line, Pennsylvania, to take on the Villanova Wildcats. They were fresh off a national championship in the men's basketball tournament. They were a day removed from the parade in Philly, and how do they keep the celebration rolling? By getting trounced 22-6 to by the Pios on Friday night under the lights. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm guilty as charged. I, I was the one talking about how the Villanova, the whole campus is still, you know, sliding on the on the street lamps, and the whole campus is going to be crazy. But uh, when you got Baptiste at the faceoff X, uh, obviously he'll be coming on a little later in this episode. But when you got that guy at the faceoff X, and your team is playing well, I mean, it, it's game over. I mean, they scored ten unanswered at one point. Uh, I, I don't care who you are. I don't care what this team is. What if you're home and if you have a great crowd, you're, the, the opposing team comes into your stadium, your home, your campus, and they put 10 unanswered on you. I mean, there's going to be crickets in, in that stadium, man, except for maybe Tierney giving, giving some golf claps to the Pios. But, I mean, another – I mean, this, this was a big test for Villanova. Um, they, they, were, they were a hot team. Uh, they, they've played very, very well this year. Uh, I really hope that this doesn't deflate them, but 22 goals uh, is just absolutely silly, especially because three weeks ago they, they played Georgetown and, and only won six to five. So, I mean, I guess we're seeing kind of two sides of this Denver's offense. I mean, yeah, six goals in four quarters and 22 goals in four quarters. So uh, that's a little less than four times. Yeah, I mean, how deflating is it as an opposing <laughs> attackman to watch your defense just oh. get shelled on, and then every single time after you get shelled on, they line back up at the faceoff X, you don't see the ball again for another, you know, 60, 90 seconds. I mean, it is just a brutal condition to just be a, a part of that beatdown. I'm, I'm happy you brought that up. Yeah, because, you know, you're as an attackman, you're kind of twiddling your thumbs. You maybe you walk a little bit past the restraining line, then... Boom, go 
goal, you start walking back to the line. Then you see the opposing goalie, like, dap up his defenseman and get in the huddle. But then you got Baptiste running the other way after a whistle score. Same thing, a cycle. So, yeah, it, it is, uh, it's not fun uh, p- being an attackman when, uh, when you got a kid like Baptiste at the faceoff X. Yeah, probably still better than the goalie, though. But that'll wrap it up for our That'll wrap it up for our fast breaks, wrapping up everything from the last weekend in college lacrosse. That'll bring us right into our man up, man down of the week, where we bring you a team, a player, or just anything at all uh, that we are either buying stock in or we are selling, selling, selling. Uh, Real quick, I just want to start us off here with my man up of the week. We're actually going a woman up of the week. Uh, This is probably one of my favorite stories in lacrosse. Probably not even of just this week, but of the entire year, probably, you know, in in recent history. We've got Noelle Lambert from UMass Lowell. Now, if you guys don't know, uh, Noelle, she unfortunately lost one of her legs during a, uh, a moped accident. This was back in 2016. So, you know, we're, you know maybe a little bit less than two calendar years removed from her losing her leg, getting her leg amputated. And this past weekend, she goes out there for UMass Lowell and she stuffs one in the back of the net. Uh, I mean, just an incredible, incredible comeback story. Uh, I mean, just goes to show you, you know, the type of character, uh, the type of human that Noelle is that, you know, she, you know, she was dealt this this you know this devastating blow, uh, dealing with a ton of adversity, and she just pushes through that, gets her ass back on the field, and stuffs one in the back of the net. So, I mean, that's that's without a doubt my favorite goal of the college lacrosse season so far. Yeah, I mean, I, I watched that and I, I got the goosebumps. You know, there, there's one thing uh, when when a player goes down with a season-ending injury, but uh, to have an injury, have an individual go down with you know a, a life-altering traumatic event and, and bounce back the way that she did that that takes I don't even have the that takes some incredibly strong individual physically and mentally. Um, congratulations to her. Congratulations to her family. Um, you know, we're pulling for you on the crease dive and, uh, you know, you, you have us in your corner. I mean, it just, I, I'm, I'm kind of speechless here. There's, uh, when I, when I saw that, I, I could just only think of the recovery time of what, you know, what, what she was going to, what she was going through if she would ever play again, but it's credit to her teammates, credit to her, her, her will, her motive, her work ethic, you know, to, to get back there with her sisters and to score a goal like that, it really is special. And that's something that she'll remember and uh, her family and the team will remember for the rest of her life. So, uh, Congratulations. And yeah, um, I mean, I, I I can't wait to see her stick the next one low to high. Uh, So Robbio, who do you got for your man up this week? My man up of the week is big 10 Sunday night games. Jordy, Uh, you touched on your man up of the week. I think it was maybe three episodes ago being a football teams going at it in lacrosse and uh, really like that one. But have you been noticing that uh, these big 10 teams have started to play on Sunday night games, man, just really fighting off the Sunday scaries for us. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about these games is they've been having Joe Beninati on the play calls on the broadcast team. Uh, And for any of you out there who are hockey fans, you know Joe's voice pretty well. Uh, So, I mean, just being able to kind of sit back there on Sunday night, 
uh, just trying to forget about all the terrible decisions that you've made over the weekend. But then you've got Joe Beninati just calling fucking just unreal laser beam goal. I mean, the Big Ten exciting conference. So obviously it, it gets uh, it gets Joe going in the broadcast booth there. Uh, and and this this weekend we're gonna have a, uh, a definitely gonna have a big time tilt there on Sunday night. We've got Maryland and Rutgers. So. I mean, that's a great call by you, Rabio, because this, uh, this this Sunday night is definitely going to keep up with your man up of the week. Um, yeah, and I mean, and I mean, we we always talk about this. We always say everything looks better on Homewood Field. Uh, yeah, Hopkins under the lights, dude. Rutgers, Maryland, Hopkins, and Penn State, dude. Though, I mean, those teams just look sexy under the lights. So that, that gets me going. Yeah, I mean, and and Rutgers always gets like the flag going before their game. I yeah. mean, it's, it's every everything about it is what you want out of college across. So, I mean, shout out to the big 10 for figuring that out and getting some prime time slots there and some great TV coverage. Uh, now moving on. So from, from the big 10 to a, you know, a, a slightly, uh, I, I mean, I guess it's a little less known league, uh, but my man down of the week, I'm going with every single MLL team right now, because I don't know how many teams there are right now. There might be like seven or eight or something like that. Uh, But there are seven or eight rosters that did not invite the crease dive boys to training camp. I mean, you you guys saw the video of my tryout with the machine. I I thought that I put in enough, uh, you know, to at least get an invite to training camp. Uh, Robbie O played at a much higher level than I did. So, you know, I I think that he, you know, based on his resume alone, deserved at least an invitation to training camp. Just a look. So, I mean, these teams are having training camps last weekend. Meanwhile, I'm playing some shitty beer league here in Philly. Uh, you know, and, and I think that, you know, a lot of these teams are dropping the ball. I think a, a lot of GMs are probably on the hot seat after, you know, they, they didn't bring us <laughs> up. So, uh, yeah, my man down of the week, every single MLL roster, uh, because you've got two stud lefty attackmen uh, who are just sitting here on their ass doing podcasts as free agents. Yeah, I'm, I'm over it. Pretty fed up with them. Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple of GMs on their way out. They definitely caught a, a letter or two from me. Um, I tried to tell them about the Holy Cross I, Holy Cross game I had junior year. I had four goals against the Crusaders. And then, you know, if that doesn't get me deal. a spot. Not a big deal. And if that, if that alone doesn't get me a spot on the Long Island Lizards, then so be it. Uh, I'm moving on to the NLL with you. Uh, for my uh, – for my man down of the week, you know, your, your man down was uh, trashing the MLL for not letting the crease dive boys uh, get the shot at the big leagues. But uh, for my man down, man, I'm going to I'm going to beat ourselves up a little bit uh, over uh, over that uh, UMBC Albany game. You know, if, if you listen to last episode, uh, we previewed that as the weekend preview game. Uh, Jordy wrote about it in his uh, weekend blog, which, uh, by the way, if you don't read, I don't know what you're doing. Drops every single Friday, 1.30 on BarstoolSports.com. But we did not give UMBC the time of day. I We just said that Albany would blow the doors off of them, and this is the American East Conference, and nothing matters. This is just going to be another cakewalk. Boom, there's a new number one team in the country, and uh, we, we kind of look like a bunch of schmucks for that. Yeah, I mean, here is word for word of what I wrote in my weekend preview blog for Barstool last week. I said, they'll be without Connor Fields again tonight due to injury. But yeah, I think they could sit out (laughs) half their starters and still come away with a win in this one. 
as soon as soon as I hit the as soon as I hit enter after that sentence, I f- did feel a little chill go up my spine saying, "Uh oh, like this might be a take that is going to come and bite me in the ass." Little did I know that take would not only bite me in the ass, but it was basically a, a baseball bat right up the ass. So yeah, we were way off on that one. We we definitely deserve to take a lap or two. Uh, but yeah. hey, hey man, hey, credit to us, credit to you for being able to call ourselves out. I mean, that's just you know what we do here. I mean, with everything. Yeah, it takes, takes, takes a real man to call ourselves out. So, hey, that one's on us. Hand up. Yep. Uh, but that is going to wrap up our man up, man down of the week. And that is going to bring us right into our interview with Denver's face-off specialist, one of the best face-off specialists in the entire world, Trevor Baptiste. All right, and joining us now on the crease dive, we've got senior from Denver, the nine god, Trevor Baptiste. You'll also be able to catch him this summer playing for Team USA at the World Games. You'll probably also see him taking a few draws here and there in uh, Major League Lacrosse. But Trevor, you got a great season going on right now with the Pios. Thanks for stopping by to talk to us for a little bit. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. Thanks for having me. Um... Yeah, the season's going well with Denver. Uh, I'm just excited for the next game. And uh, um, the boys are buzzing, so it's good. <laughs> the boys are buzzing. And, uh, yeah, like Jordy said, man, thanks again for coming on. Not only have you just been an absolute animal uh, this season, but all four years at Denver, uh, you've become the epitome of, like, the perfect Fogo. Uh, you know, you guys are off to a, an 8-2 and two start. You've had a, a game where you've got 100%. You've tallied six goals, and like you know, the boys in the crease dive are all about that low to high, uh, putting a couple in the back of the net. Uh, you know, talk, talk talk us through. You know how, how your senior year is going. Uh, how, how's the team camaraderie? You know, where, where are you guys at right now as a team? Yeah, I think uh, I think the the group we have is is great, and I think it's probably the like one of the most committed group of guys that that I've been a part of. You know, so I think that. Um, everyone's really excited to, to play their best and everybody wants to play their best. You know, um, I think, uh, I think everyone like there's, there's no sense of, uh, of laziness or something like that, uh, in practice. Um, but that doesn't mean that, that we play our best every time we're on the field, you know? Um, so I think, uh, we have a lot of depth and I think we just gotta, uh, tighten some things up, uh, little things. And I think we got a really, a really good shot at it. Yeah, I mean, you guys definitely have a ton of depth, uh, and that was kind of on display last weekend as you guys went down to Nova, and uh, I mean, that was that was a route twenty-two to six, uh, and I mean, you you went off that game as well. I mean, it's got we talked about it a little bit earlier in the episode. It had to be just completely devastating uh, for Villanova's attackmen to just you know see their team getting shelled like that, and then every time after you guys score a goal. Uh, here comes you uh, hopping out into the face-off X and just making it, make it, take it. Uh, but I mean, like, like you said, you you guys are a wagon and Denver usually is, you know, you guys get a ton of help from a lot of people. Um, you know, a guy like Ethan Walker, I mean, 38 goals on the season, 
tell me tell me this real quick because I know that you're a guy who likes to rip the twine from time to time. You're a guy who likes to come down on a fast break, maybe uh, maybe let one rip. But when you've got a guy like Ethan Walker, who is just such a lethal shooter in college across, has one of the best releases in the game. Uh, you know, is is there ever a time that you're like? Are are you thinking shoot the whole way? Or are you thinking ah, maybe I, I got this kid Ethan Walker? Maybe I should get him the rock real quick. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I think that uh, having having E on on the field opens up a lot of other people's shots. You know, so uh, you know, <laughs> for me personally, say if I'm running down the field and um, if they hedge from the point and and maybe their team that slides from the base, maybe they're a little slower to slide off e and they probably uh roll the dice with me shooting rather than shooting you know because <laughs> that guy can uh that guy can shoot the thing and um as as everyone knows and um he's such a great guy and um i really respect him and uh he's, yeah. he's been a huge asset for us on and off the field yeah, I mean, I think he's shooting like 70-something percent this year, some wild like that. But, uh, yeah, when you got number nine streaking down the center of the field, the odds probably aren't in your favor. But, uh, you know, just just talk us through, you know, since getting to Denver, uh, you've been dominating the game, uh, dominating the position, uh, you know, so much that you've become one of the favorites to win the tour a ton. Uh, what would that be like to be the first ever faceoff guy to win the award? Uh, I mean, it'd be great, you know. Um the the Tawarton's such a prestigious award and, and it'd be a huge honor. Um and and there's there's so many great players out there, you know, like there's so many amazing players uh at the division one level. There's so many great players just on my team, you know, like like Ethan and, and a ton of others. So um it'd be a huge honor and I think it'd be great for the position, you know, um for uh other face off specialists coming up, uh knowing that because you know, I think there's there's a little bit of a negative stereotype about the position that, like, oh, you're not really a lacrosse player, or, or oh, you're you're just like a fogo, or or you're like a field goal kicker, you know. So I think it would be uh, I think it would be cool for uh, for young guys that that want to do that. Um, that hopefully they think that they're important too. Yeah, I mean, I I think what guys like yourself and you know other guys in the country, like a guy like TD Ireland, also, I think what you guys are kind of showing to the lacrosse world, um, and especially to college coaches, is that you have to go out and you have to recruit yourself. Uh, you know, one of these these uh, you know these face off specialists coming out of high school. I mean, uh, you know, with with guys like Greg Renlian and. Jerry and, and the guys at Face Off Academy, you know, the work that they're doing, the work that other guys are doing to train these specialists all across the country. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that there's any excuse for, you know, a college coach to not uh, take, you know, a, a ton of uh, priority in locking themselves up a face-off guy. Uh, and, you know, your own recruiting uh, story. And, you know, I think a lot of people know your story so far. It's been out there plenty. Uh, you were originally uh, committed to go to Franklin and Marshall, a little centennial school. Uh, I actually went to go play at Ursinus college, another centennial school. So that's kind of a running joke, 
uh, with, with with me and all the your sinus guys is thank God you got out of that commitment, <laughs> or else F and M would have been just rolling. Uh, but I mean, so so a guy like you who might have you know either de- developed a little bit later or didn't quite get the looks that you probably should have been getting earlier in your career. So I don't really want to talk about your recruiting process that much since it's been you know out there so much already. But what do you think you know a story like yours uh, you know kind of means with this new NCAA rule? where you know they're making sure that college coaches can't even contact players until you know their their junior season so kind of you know it, it's getting rid of these these early commitments and really opening it up more for guys who are developing later right yeah i think um you know i think first of all i think the rule change was was great overall because um like i don't think a freshman should know where he wants where he wants to go to college or what he wants to study you know i think uh I think that whole commitment when you're when you're fresher when you're like 13 years old, 14 years old is a little is a little outrageous, you know. It's it's asking um, young guys to make big life decisions that and it kind of forces them to do it, you know. And I I think you'd see a lot of uh, a lot of kids decommitting or maybe saying like or getting to a college and being miserable and say I really don't like it here. Like I thought I liked it when I was a freshman or a sophomore. Um, so I think it's great just in that nature. And in terms of playing, you know, and athletic ability, um, I think it's, I think it's great as well. You know, I was, I think it's funny. I was, I was reading like a, like an inside lacrosse article, like a while ago. when I think it was like when I was in, when I was a senior in high school and it was, it was like all the first commits in each grade, like each class going back to, I think maybe 20, 2009 or something like that. And it was show, it was trying to show like how, how it kept going uh, earlier and earlier and earlier. But then you would think that all the top recruits would be, you know, the best players in the, in the world, you know, but they weren't, you know, it's not saying that they weren't, really great players, you know, cause they got recruited at that division one level. But I think the whole, uh, the, the relationship of getting recruited early and how well you play in college, I don't think that's like a strong correlation. You yeah. Know? So I, th- I think they're really realizing that. No, uh, I, I completely agree with that, with that answer, everything you said about it. And, you know, you are a prime example of it. Uh, other kind of recruiting stories where I think of is Stephen Reifus from Syracuse. You know, the kid kid walked on the Holy Lacrosse, uh, Holy yeah. Cross lacrosse team. And now, you know, he's a stud for Syracuse. So, you know, you never really know yeah. who's going to pan out. It's just more so given the opportunity. Yeah. You know, here you are at Denver, uh, four-time starter, four-time stud, uh, playing under Tierney. You've already been to a national championship. Hopefully, we're going to see you again there. Hopefully, we're going to see you lifting up the trophy. So, fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed. Definitely want to see the Pios again, <laughs> World Day weekend. Then in the summer, we're not looking too far ahead, but you got the MLL. Then, dude, you are the first college player to ever get picked uh, for the World Games uh, down in, uh, up in Israel. So, out of all of them, uh, which which are the most? Uh, what are you most excited for right now? Um, three of those. To be honest, obviously, uh, all those things are amazing, you know, and, I, and I'm so um, like happy and blessed to be in in the situation to, to be able to do to have a chance at all three of those things. Um, I think right now, you know, I I just really. And looking towards 
first of all, just St. John's this weekend and then uh, going for a national championship, you know, and um, and having the most fun these last few weeks of, of college, you know, and, and making the most of it with uh, with my teammates, you know, because they're my best friends. Of course, it's just and, it's second uh, family. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then – so that's so that's right now, you know. And then, and then going into the summer, you know, I I think uh, going to Israel and, and representing your country is, is a huge honor in, in the sport that you love and and playing at the highest level with with guys that you looked up to, you know, guys that I that I would watch play when I was younger um, is it's amazing as well. And uh, I'm just really it's going to be a great year of lacrosse. It's going to be a great year. Yeah, I mean, you've you've got a, like a ton coming up for here, and um, you know, I I would love to talk a little bit more about you know what your thoughts are heading into the World Games because I mean, for for a while, uh, you know, it, it's been Greg Renlian as you know, uh, I mean, he's basically he's the godfather of the Fogo position right now, and you know, he he's been kind of that face of you know USA faceoff specialist for a while. Uh, and this year, I mean, it, it'll it'll be you and him uh, at there at the Face Off X. I know that you've had you know a, a relationship with Greg in the past. You know, training with him and and doing all this and that. Um, so you know, what is it going to be like? You know, not only being able to represent your nation at these World Games, but also get being able to play. You know, kind of one two with a guy like that. Yeah, it's 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 going to be awesome. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, uh, I think that uh, just because Greg and I have have had a prior relationship and, and we know each other so well. Um, uh, and, and, you know, like he, like growing up, like I always knew he wanted the best for me and I've always wanted the best for him. So, um, I think it's going to be a nice dynamic, uh, on, at the face off X and, and we kind of have a, a similar, uh, understanding of the position. So I think it's going to be easy for us to talk about maybe opponents and, and on the field stuff. And then, uh, and off the field stuff, we can uh, just play video games and hang out. So it's it should be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, first off, are, are you a uh, you know I'm I'm not. I know that Robbie O is, but you're playing video games. Are you a Fortnite guy? Yes, I do. I do dabble in the Fortnite. I'm sure um, that I'm not anything. I'm not anything. Wait, wait, where are you dropping? Where are you dropping? Um, so. <laughs> Haunted Hills is is top spot for me. The Moisty Mire is another one, and that's more if I'm going squads though. And and uh, Tilted Towers, obviously, Tilted Towers. <laughs> well, back yeah, corner, I, back left corner. <laughs> dude, I'm telling you, I I need to start playing Fortnite because I just get so lost in the conversation. But uh, but you 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 mentioned earlier before we got off on that. Uh, you know that that you and Greg, you both know each other so well. Um, I don't know if you heard an episode a few weeks ago. We had Greg on to talk about that uh, ridiculous forty-five plus second long uh, battle you had with John Travis and <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame. Um, obviously, that that was a face-off that kind of split the you know at least lacrosse Twitter, the lacrosse community in half between you know people who could love and appreciate the battle that went into that face-off, and also people who thought that you know. They don't mind, uh, you know, offenses stalling for half a quarter, but they can't take a, you know, forty-five second long face-off. Uh, but did, did you get it? If you didn't get a chance to listen to that interview, uh, Greg broke it down like, like a, like the scientist that he is. Um, but could, let, let, let's just get your thoughts on, you know, what was going on there. 
um, you know, how you were working with your wing guys, you know, all the thought process that goes into that 45 second long battle. When a lot of people think that you guys were just almost laying on the ball, little did they know there's so right. much going on there. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot going on. And, um, and yeah, I, and I, and I did hear the, uh, the interview and, and obviously, you know, like, like if you, like a guy like Greg, he's going to be, he's going to be like the first one on that saying like, this is actually what's happening. Um, he's, he's got the whole face off broken down to, like you said, a science and, and all these minute details. So he can just, a lot of times you can just watch what's happening and just say, Oh, this and break it down into like a paragraph. <laughs> and, um, I'm not at that level yet, but uh, maybe I will be one day. You'll get it there. You'll, you'll, you'll definitely be learning a lot from him this summer, being on the same squad. Yeah, That'll be an experience, awesome. kind of playing with play, playing playing with the role model. And you know, the common theme here, Trevor, after after we're talking to you, is, is you know, you're playing well, but you're you're having fun. You know, you're with the boys. It's your second family. You're going out there. You're having a good time. Um, do you do you ever just kind of just look at your opponent before you just go down and take that knee? And just kind of give him a smirk, just like, dude. I, I'm just going to smoke you like right here. Like, or are you more of kind of like a humble? Cause I know there's definitely some words that get exchanged at the X. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, like I, I wouldn't say I'm one to, uh, to like, uh, start like a, like a trash talking fight, you know, but like, I, I'll definitely, uh, like if, if a guy wants to say something, you know, I'm not going to just say nothing. You know, uh, but, but I, yeah, I think, uh, I think like you said, it's, it's all about having fun. I think in the beginning of the season, um, with all this going on, you know, like, uh, there's a lot to look forward to like the MLL and USA and, um, and just kind of also being a leader on the team. You know, I, I, I felt a lot of pressure in the beginning of the year and I was like, Oh, like, uh, um, Maybe I, I felt like I was underachieving every time I played. Uh, and then Coach T and uh, was was like one of the guys. He he came up to me. I kind of told him. I told him. I said, "Hey, I, I've been having. I feel like a little pressured, and I feel like I'm not having as much fun." And Coach T is the legendary coach that he is. He was like, "Man, like this is gonna be over soon. You know, like you're you're still gonna play lacrosse, but." You, like this college lacrosse is going to be over for you soon. You just got to enjoy it. And then uh, after having that conversation, I've just been uh, having a lot of fun. And, and uh, but at the same time, still staying hungry and, and wanting to win. Um, but knowing that in the enjoyment of the sport and in my team and, and this last, these last few weeks is, is what's most important. Yeah. I mean, Rob, Robbie and I can both attest to, uh, it, it definitely goes by very quickly. And before you know it, it's, uh, you know, your, your college career is over. Um, you know, and, and, and we mentioned, you know, you're still going to be playing lacrosse after Denver. I mean, you got MLL, you got the world games. Uh, but you know, speaking of having fun and playing lacrosse, like, do, do you have like a summer squad that you play with, you know, maybe back home or do you play in any of these tournaments? And, uh, you know, if, if you're playing in summer ball, like, do you ever get tired of just taking faceoffs? Like, will you stay on there? Will, will you just take people off at attack and just kind of post up and just rip twine, you know, low to high all day? Because, you know, I, I know that you have the shot in you. And I have to imagine that once you're playing in the summer, you don't really feel like bending down <laughs> to battle at the faceoff X every time there's a goal. Yes, I'm happy you asked me that because that's a hundred percent true. Um, yeah, um, yeah, playing summer ball 
you know, face-offs are, are – I really like face-offs if I get in a really competitive environment, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> you know, summer ball face-offs aren't that fun, you know. They, they, uh, they, they're just kind of like you got to bend down and, and everyone just kind of wants to get up and down, up and down the field and, and play. So, uh, yeah, they're not that fun, but, uh, but you're right. Yeah. I do, I do like to, uh, to hop in and, and play other, like, like I'll stay on. I, I don't like come off the field or, or I'll play attack or whatnot. But, uh, but I, you, you always get this kind of face off guy dilemma in these tournaments. Cause say if your team gets down or something, they're like, all right, Trevor face off. Like you got to face off. You got to win this one. Uh, like, like we need the ball. Yeah, and then it's like, oh crap! Like then it's like kind of you get even more pressure than, than if you're playing in a college game because everyone's like, yo, we need the ball, man! Like get the ball. It's like, well, like, it's it's not like an automatic thing. Like I gotta, I gotta like stretch, you know, or <laughs> I can't ready to do this. Yeah, you can't just flick me on, man. Like I gotta, I gotta get ready for this thing. Um, when you're down though, when you're down though, playing attack, uh, what's your go-to move? You you a question mark guy or kind of taking a seven seven? Uh, do a little inside yeah. roll. But what, what's Baptiste? I'm doing? definitely uh, an inside roller. Uh, yeah, I like to just body <laughs> getting close. Um, I like. Uh, I think I I played box this summer, um, and uh, that really helped me a lot. And in that style of play is is something that I really like. You know, just like in tight. Uh, rather than kind of like split dodging and kind of staying, keeping my like keeping my distance from my defender, I kind of like to get a bump on him and maybe push off and shoot or inside. Well, there we go. Hey, maybe this summer in the MLL, we'll see uh, Trevor Baptiste as a full blown midi and not just as a face off specialist. Uh, but, <laughs> I don't know about that one. But. <laughs> but real quick, we got we got some uh, just a few quick questions here to to wrap things up. Here's you know some some questions that I think a lot of people at home will like to know. Uh, and, and we'll start off uh, with this one right here. I mean, you're, you're a pretty big guy. Uh, you've definitely got some size to you. Uh, so, you know, what, first off, what is your, uh, your, your workout of, are you a bench guy? Or are you a squat? I feel like you're definitely a squat guy. And, uh, you know, what kind of numbers are you putting up in the weight room? Are you, are you telling them to break out the extra weights from the back? Uh, or are you just going, uh, you know, are, are you just preparing for beach season and going, you know, high reps, low weight? <laughs> uh, I love it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'd say um, – I mean, I, I – so at DU, you know, we have a strength coach. And he just kind of makes all of our workouts. Um, and I actually haven't squat – I am a squat guy, I'd say. But I haven't squat in, in a while because we have this new machine. It's called the Pit Shark. And it's, like, better for your back. Um, it's, like, it's like you attach a belt onto your, onto your waist and then you – like clip it into this huge like platform thing and then you put weight on the sides. So instead of like racking the weight on your back, uh, you it's like you're racking it on your hips, you know, or like, or, you know, when you do pull-ups and you put a weighted belt on. I've, I've seen like people that. do that, but I don't do that. Yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so they make me do that at a uh, school because, um, like I just from bending over a lot, just there's a lot of strain on my back. Um, so that machine, you can kind of like rack up like 1500 pounds on it and like no big deal. Um, but it's like a lot of like leverage. So uh, yeah, I'll usually do that. Um, 
but like squatting, you know, like I could front squat, like, I don't know, maybe like, uh, maybe, uh, I've done it a while, maybe like 375, 375, back squat, Jesus. maybe four, 400 and something pounds in the 400s. <laughs> Just, just, just some light yeah, work. Just some light work. Dude, not, not, nothing better when all the boys are jacked up in the weight room, huddling oh, around you for the max. The there's, there's nothing better. Nothing better. It's, um, the, it's the best. <laughs> all right. Uh, you, you a football guy? What's your team? You're from yeah. You're yeah. giant? Right. Yeah, giant. All right. If you, Trevor yeah. Baptiste, had to take any player in the NFL – they're living with you. You got them for the week. You're, you're taking them through all your FOGO exercises. Who would you pick to breed out of the NFL? Who would make the best FOGO? Oh, okay, okay. Um, <laughs> ooh, that's tough. Ah, uh, wow. It's not easy. Um, like who I would think would be the best. Yeah. Just their athletic build and whatnot. Yeah, and you'd, and you'd groom them. It's not going to be okay. JPP. Not going to be JPP. He can't. I don't think he can hold the stick anymore. But um, okay, I would probably choose um, either CJ Anderson on the Broncos. Yep. Or um, or I'd go with a guy like uh, um, Amendola. Okay. Quick, fast. Um, like explosive, like he's not like a, like he's not, well, he, he would be huge on the lacrosse field, you know? Yeah. So like, <laughs> that's why I would pick the biggest guy in the NFL because you just would be way too big for lacrosse, you know? Yeah. I mean, CJ so. C. Anderson's 5'8", 225. So, I mean, you, you got yeah. that build and you're putting those legs to the stick. I think I think you got yourselves yeah. a, a pretty big fast break going on the other way for the Broncos. Yeah, I, exactly. I, was, I was thinking maybe someone like a like a Doug Martin, like just because his nickname is like the Muscle Hamster. So if I'm like an imposing oh, photo yeah, and and I hear that this guy the Muscle Hamster is coming up against me, I'm like, all right, I'm probably just gonna try to not get broke on this one. Um, yeah. So do, uh, moving on, maybe he's take Chris Hogan because he knows how to play the cross. <laughs> uh uh so uh you know at, like like we said we're heading into you know the the final few weeks of your career here at denver um you know and you've got some big games coming up here so you know obviously uh, fogos you know face-off guys in general are kind of a stranger breed uh so do you have you know any pre-game superstitions that you had you know throughout your career at denver or throughout your entire lacrosse career in general uh and and if so what are those superstitions um, I wouldn't say I have like, um, like big superstitions. I, I like to usually wear the same shirt when I'm sleeping the night before the game. And, uh, I'd say that's about it. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's a, that's a superstition. That's yeah. like not like normal person behavior. Yeah. Normal person. Yeah. Definitely nothing weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I wish I had something really weird I did before the game that would make me really unique, but I don't. I, uh, I, I used to tape my shorts with lacrosse tape or like the hockey tape, and it doesn't matter. I would just make a tape belt. Real, real weird move. I do that before every single ah. game at uh, the same time left Yeah, during, uh, during the pregame warm-ups. Um, moving on, this is for you know the people who are probably you know the lax guys who are all about the gear. 
uh, wanting to know what Trevor Baptiste is doing. I'm sure your DMs are full of those. Um, you know, you're a warrior school, no free ads, but uh, what is your head of choice? Oh, yeah, this is uh, this always gets me in trouble because we're a warrior school, but uh, I love warrior. I love the gear. They make great gear. Um, my head of choice is a Nike CEO, um, but I do think Warriors gonna have good face off. The Warrior reps uh, are gonna give you a little issue in the locker room about that one. Uh, but okay. hey, man, I mean, <laughs> Maisie's jacked yeah, up. Maisie's super jacked up about that. But hey, obviously, whatever you're yeah. using has been working wonders for you. I mean, you have been crushing it this year. You've been crushing it so far in your career at Denver. And we hope that you keep crushing it throughout uh, the rest of the summer and moving forward. So, Trevor, I know you got a busy schedule here. Probably got to head to practice soon. So, thank you again for jumping on. I uh, really appreciate it. Make sure that everyone checks out. Uh, Denver versus St. John's this weekend. Huge tilt in the Big East. And keep an eye out for the nine god moving forward this summer. Trev, buddy, thanks a lot. Let's go, Trevor. Thanks for coming on, brother. Good luck against St. John's. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, we'll talk to you. All right, and thank you again to Trevor Baptiste for hopping on the podcast. Obviously, he has huge things lined up for him for the rest of this season. I mean, between hopefully seeing him uh, play deep into May and then heading to the MLL and then heading over to the World Games to play with Team USA. So he's got a stacked schedule ahead of him. And we've got a stacked schedule in college across coming up this week. Obviously, we are still heavy, heavy, heavy into conference play all across college across. Uh, you know, for Denver, they've got a, a Big East matchup this week against St. John's. I don't want to make the same mistake that we made last week with UMBC versus Albany, but I, I don't really think that Denver St. John's is really a marquee matchup for this weekend. So let's get out of the Big East and head into the Ivy League. Talk about a bunch of nerds here as we've got the Yale Bulldogs taking the trip over to play against Brown. And listen, I mean, Brown, they haven't been, you know, having the greatest season of all time, but they're, you know, they just came off of a couple big time wins. Uh, and they're now, you know, they're right there in the thick of things in the Ivy. I think they're two and one in the conference right now. Uh, so Robbie O., do you smell an upset in store for the Yale Bulldogs? Will they drop their first Ivy League game of the season? Uh, I think they do. I think this is a resurgent Brown team, and it's going to be interesting to see how this game pans out. Obviously, like you said, Brown just beat Penn in a one-goal game. We like to think of Ivy League as, as the wild, wild west. But uh, you know, when you think of Yale Bulldogs, you think of Ben Reeves, what he's done for this for this team this school as a lacrosse player as an absolute stud of an attackman um to be honest Reeves has been dwindling out of the torrents in conversation so you know he, he's putting up his his four to, to five point goals per game or points per game pardon but you, you know he's kind of dwindling out and I I need him need him to get a back to get to get a, win, a second wind here and uh just put on an absolute show the back nine the rest of the season leading up to this ivy league uh tourney so uh, I, I really hope that this is the game where ben reeves just absolutely snaps for like nine or ten points like you've seen uh the other uh top tier uh tour 10 uh, watch list dominies uh putting up week after week 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you're spot on right there. I mean, you just look at the attackmen in the Ivy League right now. I mean, Jeff Teat with the Cornell Big Red. He just had a monster game as Cornell takes down Syracuse while we're recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, I mean, he's been having an unbelievable season so far. I think he's got 71 points on the year right now. Pretty sure that leads the entire nation. Then you've got Michael Sowers at Princeton. Uh, you know, he he just had a big, uh, you know, I think he had, you know, five goals, four assists in his last game, or maybe it was four and five flip-flop the other way around. So these kids, these sophomores in the Ivy League are just starting to really break out as one of the, you know, some of the premier players in the nation. And we've said this before. I, I think that every once in a while, Ben Reeves just kind of needs to remind everybody that the Ivy League belongs to him until he f- decides that he finally wants to graduate uh, with that bi- <laughs> biology, molecular, whatever the hell, uh, molecular whatever physics, the hell, yeah, yeah whatever, whatever degree he has. But listen, I mean, yeah, Brown, they're coming off of wins against Princeton. They're coming off of a win against uh, Penn there. Uh, it, it's just that I don't know if their defense is is ready to hold, uh, you know, to to hold this Yale offense, like you said, Ben Reeves dwindling a little bit, but you know, a, a dwindling Ben Reeves is still better than you know eighty uh, percent of the attackmen in college across. So I, I think that this is going to be a game for Brown, where you know, uh, unless they somehow find a way to hold Yale to single digit goals. I just don't know how, how they come out of this one on top, but I do think that it's definitely going to be a, a, a tight one. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is going to be a real tight one. And uh, you know, when you get two uh, in conference teams going head to head, I say it every single week, you never know who's going to come out moving on to another in conference showdown. We got the Loyola Greyhounds taking on the Boston Terriers. Um, Shorty, what, what do you got on this game? I, I mean, BU needs – this is a must-win game for BU to stay alive in, in the Pat League race, which has just been – Patriot League has just been an absolute pleasant surprise this year. Yeah, I mean, we, we said this last week or you know maybe it was two weeks ago at this point, but the Patriot League – uh, has been uh, by you know at least my account the most exciting conference to follow this year. Uh, I mean Loyola, they're uh, you know they they had a big win against Lehigh last week. I, I mean I think that that was kind of a statement win. Uh, you know after dropping that game, you know eleven to twelve to Bucknell, I think that a lot of people were thinking you know maybe Loyola is vulnerable right now. Uh, you know with the way that this Patriot League is shaping up. Uh, but you know, coming out there and kind of smacking around Lehigh a bit, sixteen to ten, uh, proves to me that that they're ready to you know kind of take control here the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, obviously Loyola still has a little ways to climb back. You know, they have three losses on the year, so I mean, that's it's not exactly great. Uh, but you know, heading into this one. I, I think, you know, you, you said it as well. You know, Boston, this is a must win for them. They got, they picked up a must win against Army last week. That was very much needed. I mean, up until then, they had four losses in their last five games. Uh, and and or, and the only win that they had there was a win over your, your boys at Lafayette. Uh, so, uh, you know, this is must win season for BU. Uh, but I think that Loyola is a team that, you know, really needs it more uh, considering what they're planning to do coming May. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I think Pat Spencer, 
is arguably the best player in the country. Uh, we're seeing it week after week. Uh, Loyola is coming off a big midweek game, so that could either hurt them or help them, depending on what kind of team this is. Um, but, you know, they, they do have some momentum rolling right now and, and at the right time. Um, this also proposes the question of, you know, could a Patriot – could the Patriot League have two teams um, in, in the NCAA playoffs this year? You know, do they have enough quality out-of-conference wins? And, I mean, I, I look at BU, uh, obviously they're coming off the win against Army. They haven't been, you know, they haven't shocked anyone too badly, but uh, they got that they got that goalie, Joe McSorley, one of the top goalies in the country. I think he's coming off of like a 70% uh, save average last game. So, you know, when, when he's on and his defense is on, you know, you know this Terrier team clicks, but, you know, we, we see it week after week. You know, when, you, when you play Pat Spencer and uh, you got a long pole in your hand and uh, you're in net with an eclipse, you're going to probably turn into a gif of some sort. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're. Uh, it, hey, just don't log on to social media because you're, you're not gonna want to see the. Uh, but in terms of the Patriot having two teams in the tournament, listen. I mean, it is totally realistic if we see Loyola and Bucknell uh, ending up as the two top teams in the Patriot. I mean, like we said, Loyola is a team that you know as as long as they win out and you know they're gonna be there. And Bucknell, I mean, they're closing out the regular season. They've got, uh, you know, they've got a game coming up here against Lafayette. They finish out the regular season with Lehigh. Uh, so their only losses on the year at that point, if they go 2-0 to end the year, would be a one-goal loss to Penn, which, you know, at the time looked pretty good considering Penn wasn't too far removed from taking on uh, Duke, taking down the number one team in the nation there. Uh, they have a one-goal loss to uh, Richmond. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, a SoCon team, we'll talk a little bit more about the SoCon later, but, you know, Richmond's a team that that's a, I guess it's not a quality loss, but it's not a terrible loss. Uh, and then they've also lost to Navy, which, I mean, again, it's, it's a conference game. So I think that Bucknell and Loyola, as long as they're able to both win out, uh, could definitely make a case for themselves in the tournament. But obviously that is going to take Loyola needing to put the smack down on Boston this weekend. Uh, real quick. Just uh, a quick mention here of another game in the Patriot. We're not going to really break it down too much here, but since the crease dive, since we are very, very pro troops podcast, just have to mention that this weekend we've got Navy at Army. That game is going to be broadcasted on the CBS Sports Network. Uh, listen, Army-Navy game in any sport uh, is is a great event. Um, you know, for, for everybody to watch, it's, it's, you know, seeing these guys who are dedicating their lives and, and putting their lives on the line for our nation, uh, and, you know, just being able to see them get the hell after it, uh, on, on a, on a field of some sorts is great. So make sure to check that game out on CBS sports network. Uh, thank you for your service. Go troops. Let's go. I mean, army Navy, you mean, you said it all. This is just a great game to watch despite the sport. Uh, I got a couple of boys on Navy, so I'm going to be rocking with the midshipmen. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, I, I'm real pumped for that game. Uh, you could say it's going to be physical. That, that could be the least thing you could say about the game. But uh, moving on real quick, we got Penn State Nittany Lions versus the Hopkins Blue, Hopkins Blue Jays. I mean, 
Hopkins here to me, you know, they're, they're, they're hot right now. I mean, th- this offense is, is clicking. They're clicking on all cylinders and they're clicking at the right time. They're coming off a big win on home, Homewood Field. Um, I mean, this is going to be a good match. Uh, we got Aseri. Uh, you know, he, he's just absolutely been dominating the faceoff X for Penn State going against a very good Hunter Moreland. So that is going to be uh, the matchup to watch. It's going to be uh, at, at the faceoff X and uh, in between the lines. You know, who, who's winning the ground balls? Who's coming up with that? Who's going to, you know, who's going to get the most possessions? And, uh, you know, you and I were talking about it a little earlier. Is it uh, – Arseri might be injured. Is that true? Yeah, yeah that, that face-off matchup might be a little bit different heading into this weekend. I, I know that Gerard Arseri left that Maryland game. Uh, and listen, that yeah, and, and, and that was devastating for the Penn State Nittany Lions because they were on the brink of pulling off the upset over the Terps. Uh, I think if Arseri stays in that game, Penn State gets a few more possessions in that one. I mean, they dropped that game 13 to 12. Uh, That is a very, very high quality loss for the Penn State Nittany Lions, especially, you know, considering that they're already down their best attackman, Grant Ament. You know, so being down Ament and then losing Arseri in the middle of that game uh, and still only coming away with a one goal loss, huge for Penn State. uh, And and that's just going to put even more. Uh, responsibility, even more, you know, pressure kind of on Mac O'Keefe for the Penn State Nittany Lions. He's got 28 goals, 10 assists on the year. Uh, Kid is an absolute stud when it comes to finishing the rock. I know that he spent his summer playing a little junior A ball up in Canada. Uh, so, so you know me, that stick wasn't in the offhand. <laughs> oh no, that that stick has never touched the right hand. But was I was mean, allergic to the right hand. <laughs> But obviously, on the other end of the field, I mean, you're going up against the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays, and they have a slew of kids who can equally fill the back of the net with rubber balls. Shaq Stanwick, Cole Williams, Cole Williams coming on the scene this year, taking over 25 goals on the year for Cole Williams. As soon as I saw him, I think it might have been the first week of the season, uh, maybe the second week there against North Carolina. As soon as he scored that one goal and had the little stick flip going on there, I knew that this kid was going to be a stud this year. Cole Williams, Kyle Marr, Joel Tinney. I mean, Hopkins is loaded. And I think that this is, I mean, we haven't seen a consistent Hopkins team in a few years. And right now they are riding, you know, it, it, it's a seven game win streak www after w we haven't seen hopkins do this in a while we haven't seen hopkins get this hot and stay this hot for a while uh and i think that they keep it rolling against penn state yeah i got hopkins i'm right there with you i think uh petromala and the blue jays are just way too hot right now uh obviously you know, Joel Tinney has kind of been the staple the last couple of years. And, you know, he, he wears that C on his chest. You know, he's a reoccurring guest at the crease dive. But, uh, you know, you're not really seeing him uh, all that often, you know, with, with these crazy numbers. But you know he's a leader in that locker room. There's a lot of young players on this uh, on this, on this this Hopkins team. So, you know, it, it's more than the X's and O's. And this seems like a real tight-knit group, a team that goes out there every single game, has a blast, and, you know, they're under one of the best coaches in the country. So what more can you ask for? I got Hopkins in this game. Moving on to another Big Ten rivalry matchup, Maryland versus Rutgers. 
I mean, we just watched Rutgers blow the doors off of Michigan. Uh, Jules Hederberg and the rest of the Scarlet Knights are just – this is a team that's been a pleasant surprise, and I'm not going to throw you under the bus, but I'm going to throw you under the bus. You were hating on them from week one once you saw them in, uh, in that preseason poll. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily hating on Rutgers. I, I wouldn't say hate. I wouldn't say hate. I was right, just right. saying I, I've never been quick to buy into the hype uh, on Rutgers. But, yeah, I mean, listen, they've they've got three losses on the year. Uh, two of them are by one goal, and, and the third one is by two goals, and that's the Army, and that's, I guess, because they just love the troops, and <laughs> black black knights trump the Scarlet Knights. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're, they're looking great this year. Um, um, you know, obviously that that big win against Syracuse was huge for them. Destroying Michigan is, you know, it it doesn't look quite as good the further out that Michigan gets from that upset over Notre Dame, considering Notre Dame hasn't been looking that great either. Uh, but you know, I I I don't know. Like, I guess I don't know if I, if I'm just being stubborn here. If I've just dug myself in too deep. I still just don't know what it is about this Rutgers team that makes me not believe that they are for real. Do I think that they are going to be, uh, you know, right there in the thick of things in the Big Ten tournament? Absolutely. I could definitely see them playing in a championship game there for the Big Ten and ultimately losing to Maryland. Uh, But I, I just... Listen, when, when I think about teams that I really want to jump on the bandwagon with, I'm thinking, I, you know, this is for the long haul. This is for, this is, you know, what team am I going to try to be on the sideline with at Memorial Day weekend? And I still just don't see Rutgers being one of those teams. But here's the thing. This weekend, I think, is going to be the, the, the weekend that either makes or breaks uh, my opinion on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights because if hey if they're able to take down the number one team in the nation, the reigning national champs, the Maryland Terps, if they can take down Maryland this weekend, then you know what I, I've got a lot of apologizing to do, and I'll be buying a uh, you know definitely a coach class ticket on the Rutgers bandwagon. Yeah, I mean I'm on this Rutgers bandwagon, man. I'm. If, I, if I'm a betting man, which I am, I'm taking the hot hand. You got Alex Veracruz coming off the bench with a nice five-point day for Rutgers last week. I mean, like you said, this is a, this is a Rutgers team that lost at home to Maryland. There's no way Breck's going to let them forget that in a one-goal – no, no, in, in an overtime game versus Maryland. Um but like you said, this is, this is a Maryland team that has kind of found their identity. We saw Connor Kelly – we're seeing, we're, we're, we're witnessing Connor Kelly become this complete player, already surpassing his assists that he had last year come week four. He's making everyone around him better. Um, Logan Wisnowski has kind of been that, that that number two guy that they were looking for, kind of the, the Matt Rambo and uh, the, the Colin Heacock look, that one-two punch. Uh, you got Will Snyder coming out of nowhere. Uh, the list goes on and on. And you, you, had a, you had a young team, and you got an incredible coach of Tillman. Uh, you're right. If come Memorial Day weekend, I, I want to be on the side of of Maryland here in this situation, just due to experience. Um, there's there's a kind of there's some tangents that, that tie into that. But as far as this week goes, and you even said that they could play each other again in the Big Ten championship, and you have Maryland winning, but this isn't the Big Ten championship. I got Rutgers walking away with this one. Yeah, I, I just think you know, as we mentioned, it's you know. 
Connor Kelly has just been an absolute filth ball uh, this year so far. And I think that, you know, Sunday night, prime time, uh, televised game at home, uh, you know, it, it's just, I, I don't see the, I, I think that we come out next weekend with, uh, you know, with, with a team coming back to back number ones. Uh, I, I don't think that we see another number one team slip up this week, but Hey, it could be coming, uh, later on. It's just not this week, but I've been wrong about Rutgers before. So watch me be wrong again, but that is going to wrap up our preview for this weekend's slate of games. Obviously, there are plenty more great games that'll be on this weekend. Uh, so make sure that you you check those out. You know, check the schedule. Uh, we just can't get into all of them right now because we'll bore you half to death and we'll be here for a few hours. So, uh, you know, moving on from our weekend preview. Uh, Robbie O, how have the questions been looking this week? Or, or should, should we hit some question mark dodges on Twitter right now? Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to hit some question marks right now. And just shout out to, uh, you know, all, all the fans that have been supporting the Crease Dive. Uh, new ones, old ones. I mean, this has been an awesome journey. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on our socials at the Crease Dive on Instagram, on Twitter. Been loving, loving uh, all the slides in the DMs, some crazy goals, some sideline sellies, little locker room action here and there, dude. It's It's been getting rowdy in the DMs, so uh Definitely appreciate all the support from you guys. Yeah, I mean, we really cannot thank you guys enough for all the support so far. And I mean, listen, we we got a, a whole you know month and a half left here of the season, so you know we're definitely not going to be slowing down at any point. Uh, you know, through Memorial Day weekend, and I hope you guys don't slow down either. Uh, but yeah, so Robbie O, let's hit these question marks via Twitter. All right, Jordy. First question comes from Tom. Eisenbarger, that's Tom underscore Eisenbarger on Twitter. Yes. How many teams does the Big Ten, ACC, etc., get into the twenty this year? Ooh, all right. Well, uh, I I don't know the etc. conference that well. At least not as. <laughs> let's just let, let's just do Big Ten, ACC. All right, all right, Tom, you're gonna you're gonna have to settle. Yes, yeah, I mean, so so this was a huge debate that you know at least I was having last year with myself. I don't know if it was like a huge debate on a national scale or anything, but at least one that I was talking about in my head. Um, it, you know, for for the longest time. The ACC has been, you know, the pretty much like the premier conference in college across. Um, I mean, just blue blood programs all over the place. But over these last few years, I, you know, I, I think that the Big Ten has really been creeping in there and kind of taken away from the ACC's supremacy. Uh, this year, I think, you know, I, I think if either conference has the chance to get three teams into the tournament, uh, well, it, it would be the Big Ten, uh, and you you would have you know Maryland, Hopkins, and then either Rutgers or Penn State, probably Rutgers there. Uh, but I think that realistically, both conferences will probably end up with two teams in the tournament. I, I mean, I would see Syracuse and Duke, and I would see Maryland and Hopkins again. Uh, but I, I I don't. I hate it because like I don't have anything against the school of Rutgers in general. It's just I haven't bought into the hype. But yeah, I think that both conferences. We'll I think both. Yeah, I think both conferences end up with two in the tournament. Uh, Rabia, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean we're we're gonna see. Uh, the committee is 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 hit or miss for me. Obviously, no one's gonna 
agree. There's not going to be a hundred percent agreement on whatever the committee picks, but whatever the committee picks is what, you know, us lax fans are going to get. There's 16 teams. Um, you know, we're, we're seeing these borderline teams get in just due to their, their name, their recognition, their coach. I mean, obviously Hopkins was a whole different team this year than they are last year, but you know, Hopkins was on the fence. And in, in, in my opinion, if that, um, they, they shouldn't have been in there. And, you know, when they played Duke first round, they got absolutely waxed 19 to six, good riddance. You'll never, you know, those seniors aren't putting on the helmets again. So that was it for them. Were there other teams that were deserving that might not have been in the top conference? Sure. But to me, I agree with you. I think there's two from each. And uh, I think, I think we're going to leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, two from that. And Hey, I, th- I think maybe two from the Patriot as well. Maybe. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, is, yeah, is the Patriot a better conference than the ACC? That is a conversation we'll have to save for a later time. What's uh, what's next via Twitter here. Who will win the SoCon? We are talking that SoCon talk right now. Um, listen, I, I got to be totally honest with everybody. I, you know, I'm not going to act like I'm a, a, a Southern Conference uh, expert here. You know, I haven't had a chance to watch too many games. But, you know, if, if I'm picking a team right now and I know that their record says that they are well below 500 right now, but they're still uh, tied for first in the conference. I got to go with my boys at high point, uh, mostly because our guy uh, who, you know, he, he definitely going to come on as a guest to the show later, uh, Dan Lomas of the Rochester Nighthawks. He's an alumni there. Uh, I, I know that he's a listener to the podcast, and I feel like if I didn't say high point, uh, he'd probably be pretty upset with me. Uh, so high point, I mean, hey, they got a sick-ass campus as well. I don't know. I mean, they should be getting recruits after recruits after recruits because that school looks fun as fuck. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going with high point. Yeah, uh, I, I like that high point pick. And, uh, yeah, that would be one school I would love to visit. It looks like an absolute country club. For me, uh, this one's a gimme. I got uh, I got Furman uh, ever since uh, their game versus UNC, which they only lost by one in overtime, fifteen to four. Um, number forty four hit, hits the Fortnite Selly, and he was the pioneer. He was the start to this Fortnite rave that we've been seeing across the board. You know, you you got uh you got the USA basketball dream team. I got the Furman Lacrosse meme team. The Paladins are in the building. These guys got swag, dude. And I mean, I mean this team's viral. So is they've had Three viral instances. The first one came from him with the Fortnite goal scale, goal selling. Little did we know, it'd be the start of a a thing sweeping the nation from youth across all the way up to up to college. Um, then then we see uh, the viral video of them roll, running out. That was their uh, walkout song to the Yodel Kid remix. The boys are getting hyped to that. That blew up on social medias. And then you got them doing some uh, some wacky uh, celebrations on the sidelines. So clearly they're doing something right. Uh, would love to be in that locker room. It seemed like a good group of dudes. And you know what, man? I, I hope they win the SoCon. I mean, you have four teams, like you said, tied uh, 
tied at three and one in that league. So, you know, if they win, they could be a pleasant surprise, could sneak up on you, get in your head a little bit. I, I feel like this is the team that would uh, research you and, and say some pretty messed up stuff. <laughs> the the meme team is a great fucking nickname. Rabio, that might be your your best moment on the crease time so far. That needs to be on it. That needs to be on their shooting shirts. Come come NCAA tournament time. Cause hey, if they're if they're winning the SOCON, we will see you in the tournament. Uh, and then I think we got one last question here on Twitter to wrap things up with, don't we? The fucking meme team. And wrapping it up, like you said, one more question. It's gonna come from Justin Royce Five. And uh, this kid is, is a diehard uh great Danes fan. His uh, name is actually Dane Train Ten and One. Uh, so, you know, you know, he obviously does was not probably happy with that UBC win. Anyway, what would your ideal matchup for the final four be? Come on, Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm going with uh, at Justin Royce five on Twitter. I mean, I, I guess I'm taking the Albany Great Danes. Obviously, I've been riding the Dane train. I've been conducting the tr- Dane train for years now. Would love to see them at Gillette Memorial Day weekend. And taking on the Danes, well, this would be my, you know, this would be the biggest matchup in face-off history if we were able to get this week's guest on the podcast, Trevor Baptiste, going up against TD Ireland. A couple of guys who have gone 100% in the face-off X multiple times this season. So I, this would be just a classic case of immovable object versus uh, unstoppable force. The fact that both of these guys are so elite at the face-off position and they'd be going head-to-head against each other, I need to know. I need to know who comes out of that battle on top. I think it's probably – I don't want to say anything, but it, probably Baptiste because he's an absolute freak of nature. But I need to see that matchup come Final Four weekend. Yeah, I I love that. Probably so that game would be gritty, dude. Their knee sleeves would be just covered, covered, <laughs> covered, just covered in a lot of substances, a lot of some fluids there. Uh, not really sure where I was going with that, but uh, love that matchup. And yeah, for mine, man, I'm gonna stick with Albany. I'm gonna go uh, Albany versus Hopkins, just due to the pure fact of a family feud. You got Scotty Marr. Head coach of the Great Danes playing his uh, young son, uh, Kyle Marr, the attackman for Hopkins. So that would be an awesome game. We teased that a little bit in an earlier episode, you know, uh, how, how Mrs. Marr is going to react and all that. But uh, that, that's definitely going to be an interesting game. Um, you know, obviously, thank God Kyle Marr is, uh, is in a college dorm because he probably would not get fed from his dad. But one uh, of my sources actually slipped me a fun fact on Instagram to just 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 sweeten up this uh this little father son rivalry just a bit. It's going to be a player coach rivalry. Coach Scott Marr was on the 1987 championship team with none other than coach Dave Petromala. I don't know if you knew that, but that's just something to add, a little spice. Yeah, I mean, it would be a huge matchup for Scott Marr, and you had the old bull, but now it's time for the young calf. So that would be uh, an an – dude, I mean, talk about the offenses that would be going up against each other in that game. Uh, I I don't think that we would see a single overhand shot low and away 
all day. Uh, and and rounding out the final four for me, well, you uh, you kind of touched on it, you know, just a few moments ago. Uh, I I would love to see you know Maryland versus Duke, two blue blood blue blood programs uh, going up against one another, and and you know the biggest stage that the game has to offer. But listen, I I think that you know I I kind of want to take lacrosse out of my final four, and I want to keep you know the same teams here, but I mostly want to keep Justin Gutterding. Connor Kelly, Connor Fields, and Trevor Baptiste. Basically, what I want to do is I want to put them in the middle of Gillette Stadium. I want to lock all the doors. They need to fight to the death. Four men enter, one man leaves. And whoever gets out of that one alive, well, that's who you can finally give the Tawartan to. Because unless it comes down to a fight to the death, I really don't see how you put one over the other. Yeah, and uh, obviously this goes without saying, but they'll have uh, microphones strapped on them so they could be on the crease dash. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get video of the whole thing and, and we'll get it on there. So if, uh, if, if anyone <laughs> wants to start sponsoring that event, uh, feel free to slide into the DMs because it is going to be uh hey maybe that'll be rough and rowdy four yeah it could be rough and rowdy four uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that'll that'll wrap up our question marks for the week and that is going to do it for episode 12 of the crease dive uh again thank you so much to trevor baptiste for hopping on uh thank you to everybody for listening make sure you hit us up on our social channels on twitter and instagram at the crease dive rabio is active hands in the dms uh so hey huge slate of games coming up this weekend uh final push here you know last few games of the regular season before we get into may until we get into tournament mode so Buckle up, bitches, because we are going on a ride low to high to the day we die. We out.